Hey everybody, welcome to Beneath the Wing. This is Chief Legvold and this is my almost last episode. And so for this one, Chief Schumacher, who is taking over as the Wing Command Chief on the 9th of September, is going to interview me. So with that, I'm going to throw it over to Chief Schumacher to welcome me to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks Chief. It's great to be here. First of all, it's been a, it's just a great honor to uh, be able to do this with you today. And uh, this is your show. I want you to just be comfortable and answer these questions. And we're going to have fun with it. Sounds great. All right. First of all, what is your name and rank? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, Mark Legvold, Chief, here at the wing. Command you Chief. You missed, yeah, Command Chief yeah. there. Don't forget that. Uh, what is the date you joined? Uh, well, I showed up here at the wing in 95 after getting out of the active duty. So I, I came into the active duty um, October of 90, um, started delayed enlistment May of that year, but uh, really started my career in October of 1990, got out of active duty and came here to the wing in 95. Joined up as a firefighter, showed up to a pretty much empty building in the middle of the week and thought, yeah, we'll keep on being a firefighter here. Did you have any interest in firefighting before you joined? Or I did, I did something that I would never advise anybody to do uh, when I joined active duty, and I went in open general, which basically said, the Air Force can tell me whatever they want me to do, and I'll do it. Uh, and so I wasn't necessarily the best student to start off with. I didn't have the highest uh, ASVAB scores, but I managed to uh, uh, get a high enough score. They said that you could be a a cop, a cook, or a firefighter, and they chose firefighter for me, and it was great. It worked out. It did. What is your hometown, and where did you go to high school? I grew up in Northfield, which is about 35 minutes south of the, the base here at the Twin Cities Airport in Minnesota. So graduated high school in 1989, uh, left home, uh, went to college for one semester, Got out of that and eventually joined the Air Force, and I moved back to Northfield in 99, uh, planted a house in a cornfield uh, next to the family farm, and um, finished raising my kids there. Is that where your education finished, or did you uh, pursue higher education after that? Well, uh, after leaving my first college, before they invited me to leave... <laughs> Uh, I joined the Air Force and at some point thought, hey, uh, bettering myself. I got great great mentorship from one of my fire chiefs. He said, a smart firefighter is a good firefighter. And I don't care what you major in, just go and, and further education. And by then, I was, I was taking some college classes. Uh, they didn't have online invented yet. So we had telecourses, which means you watch an episode on TV of your lecture or kind of a TV program and then you'd have tests and a paper or two to write in the middle of the semester and you'd get college credit that way and it was on public television so I'd record it with the VHS and away we'd go. Um, so I went to Western Oklahoma State College in Altus, Oklahoma, University of Anchorage, Alaska when I was stationed up there uh, and I finished my bachelor's degree at Hamlin University in St. Paul where I finished my student teaching and got my teaching license um, and eventually went back to school and got my master's at Mankato and finished my school principal's licensure at the University of Minnesota. So Air Force has paid for a lot of school for me. Wow, yeah. that's great. You took full advantage. I did. Um, 
You mentioned firefighting. Was that your only military career before you became command chief, or what, did you have any other military career? Yeah, there was a day at the fire department where um, I got approached. We were changing out of our clothes right at the end of the day, and I'm in the locker room changing, and one of the officers of CE came in there, and he said, hey, Mark, I, th I think I'd like you to try to be our first sergeant, which is a totally new AFSC for me or Air Force specialty code. And he asked me to become a first sergeant. So I thought, okay, I'll apply. I wasn't really interested in it. I, I knew I would be able to uh, make master sergeant in the fire department, but taking care of people was kind of where I was leaning. Um, and so the, I got this great opportunity and was accepted as the first sergeant for CE, civil engineers. And that's a lot of taking care of people work and a whole new Air Force specialty code, so a new job for me. I did that for five years, and in the meantime, got the base fire chief job. So I was kind of doing wearing two hats. And at one point, the fire department closed, and I lost my people. And for a people mm -hmm. person, that's hard. Uh, and I was approached and asked to apply for a different job out here. In um, 2014, I applied for a security forces position, which is like our law enforcement and security organization on base, and. Got that job, so there's number three job for me in the Air Force. Went to basic security forces school as a 45-year-old man and didn't quite break, but uh, got a new a new job and uh, did that until uh, the uh, boss asked me to come up here and be the wing command chief. So that's this is job number four for me. I haven't held a held a job really well out here, but <laughs> it's it's been a great career. Yeah, that is great. Um, you mentioned you got your teaching degree. Did you ever teach? Yeah. I was with traditional guard, which is the one weekend a month, two weeks a year while I was a firefighter. Um, and during that time, I worked in St. Paul Public Schools. I taught science and gifted and talented education for a kindergarten through sixth school. So I'd wow. teach hands-on science to kindergartners. And then... We'd switch classrooms. They'd come. I'd get a new batch of kids in my science room, and I'd, I'd go from teaching kindergartners to teaching sixth graders in one minute. It was ridiculous and fun. Uh, the kids were fantastic, and uh, you know, I just loved working in a neighborhood school. But yeah, I, I worked in St. Paul schools for about ten years. That's fantastic. Yeah. You mentioned being a first sergeant. Do you think that? Uh helped you throughout your career and especially in the command chief role absolutely i being a first sergeant it's so unique uh if someone's listening to the podcast and they work in business or they're they're out in a civilian occupation there really is no job like that their job is to take care of the human beings um mind body and soul so that they can do their job uh, making sure that they're emotionally prepared to come to work. And if they're not, guide them through that process. Um, be there when they're going through the really hard things in life so that our commanders have somebody that's ready to deploy at a moment's notice. And it's, it's emotionally hard work, but they also have to know a lot about how to take care of people. So it's, it's extraordinarily unique. Um, moving into a command chief role, not only is this job responsible for taking care of everybody on the wing, but they're specifically responsible for taking care of the first sergeants. Uh, so taking care of the people that take care of people, uh, 
it's a big job. And I was really, really glad to have that experience as a first sergeant because it, it definitely prepared me to do this job a little bit better. Yeah, it did. I can, I agree with you. Um, Work-life balance. So on here, you have some hobbies that you have and you're really busy. How do you, how do you manage work-life balance with the hobbies and taking care of airmen? Poorly. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just give you that. It's uh, uh, it is a constant struggle between balancing the needs of the wing, especially over the last three years. Uh, it's been busy out here. Um, we've gone through a lot as a wing, as a wing family. Uh, so I would, you carry the emotional burdens, or at least I do. That's my per personality. I'll carry emotional burdens with me all the time and just kind of carry it. Um, and if I didn't have a, a understanding and, and good wife that listens to me, it would, it would have been a lot. Uh, but as far as work-life balance and the hobbies I really enjoy, um, I farm. I farm on my, on my family farm with my dad. Uh, and so that's kind of a release for me. I'll go sit and sit in the tractor for you know, six hours and have my thoughts and nothing in front of me but 30 feet of uh, four miles an hour planting corn. And so in a way, yes, it's work, but it's also kind of a, a relaxation. And then traveling is something my wife and I really love to do. And so it, again, that's taking the time in the hobbies to relax and recharge your batteries, but still you carry the emotion of this place around with you. You got to relieve stress, right? Yeah. So it says you started hockey here at the age of 36. 36 years old. My my kids were playing hockey, mm. and um, I got encouraged to get in with a group of old men, oldish, you know, all in their uh, 30s, 40s, um, and play hockey together on Wednesday nights. And that turned into something I just really enjoyed doing, not just for the exercise, because it is great exercise, but just for the the fun that we would have together. And it's not super rough. Uh, we did have one World War II vet out there skating with us. I swear, wow. I was such a bad skater, I worried I'd run into him and break him until he skated past me and elbowed me in the gut and told <laughs> me to get out of his way. Uh, but that's just been a, a great opportunity to get a little bit of exercise and just get some good, a good release of energy. Yeah, stress relief, right? Absolutely, yeah. And that's been fun. And I still go out and skate with people that know how to play hockey uh, even now. Um, what are some things that you're passionate about? Developing good leaders so that they can take care of the people around here um, and take care of the people in their organizations has just turned into something that drives me. Uh, we talk a lot about leadership in the military. And we have opportunities to practice it when it's really, really hard. Getting people ready to do that takes work, and you have to be thoughtful about it. Uh, so developing leaders that are ready to step into you know, their successor's shoes or developing leaders that are able to just do a really good job taking care of the two to three people they're supervising, it takes skills, it takes practice, and, and in order to do that, it takes some thoughtfulness by the person that's sitting in this seat or sitting in a, a position of leadership. So that's one of those passions that I really had hoped to pursue a little bit more. 
until we got separated by uh, by COVID and turned into virtual. So then a new passion kind of emerged based on the circumstance, and that was building connections. If you can't develop leadership skills, you can develop the sense of connection out here, even if you're separated. And I think that's that's been a really great part of doing this podcast is people get a chance to learn about everybody that works out here if they listen. And so pretty soon our connections build out here as a wing family. That's been a fantastic opportunity. What would you give uh, me as good advice taking your role that something maybe you didn't get done that uh, you'd like to see me finish? Oh, I, I have a notebook of regrets. Um, and it's not regrets that I, I feel awful about. It's just regrets that um, I ran out of time or, or energy to do. Um, the biggest, it's hard, this, is, this is a hard question because you know, you're going to do this job and it's immense and everybody makes it their own. Um, but take care of the culture of our organization. And that goes to any leadership role, but really your purpose as a command chief, your purpose as a leader is to constantly have your finger on the pulse and know what the wing needs in order to do its job successfully. Keep their people here, keep them connected to the wing family and and do things on purpose to make it a good place where people feel loved and cared about when they go home each day. And I, lo- I love that you always emphasize that, um, and I will continue to do that as well. I know you will. We're, uh, we're over our lunch, so as you can probably hear my stomach growling within the microphone, I hope it's not picking that up. But uh, um, what are some? F- uh, what are your favorite foods and beverages? What you, anything that uh, you, you can think of? Uh, Mark Legwood likes to eat just about everything. I one of the things I'm really looking forward to when I'm, I have a little bit more work-life balance is becoming a better cook. Uh, my wife and I enjoy uh, trying new things, so we subscribe to this, you know, fresh ingredients dropped off to your house subscription thing, and then you have to cook it. So my technique has gotten a little bit better, but um, I really love the social aspect of eating, um, but I also just love mixing, you know, a good flavor, pairing it with a good wine, pairing it with a good beer, um, and just having that, um, that just, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty open to darn near everything. Foods of different cultures are fascinating to me because I grew up here in Minnesota as a, uh, in a proud Norwegian family. So everything is extraordinarily bland and extraordinarily colorless. And our world is so much more than that. So if you travel to Mexico, you try the food. If you travel to Spain, you try the food. If you go to Norway, you try the food. Um, and just experience culture through the food. It's, it's fascinating to me and, and wonderful. I used to joke that milk was a spice for me, but now I've branched out myself. So, <laughs> Oh, that, the salt sure is spicy today. <laughs> right. I get it. Um, is there a, a historical figure you admire? I have a ton. Um, I, I gave a young officer a reading assignment one from C.S. Bach, who was a major in World War One, and wrote this great uh, speech on leadership. And it's it's dated, 
Um, but I just really admired the purposefulness of his approach to developing the leaders of, of uh, soldiers that were going to go into battle and his thoughtfulness of that approach. Um, John McCain comes to mind, uh, not because he was a, he was a fantastic hero uh, in history and did some extraordinarily, extraordinary things, but he wasn't done being a hero when his war ended. He became one for his work in the Senate, but also the fact that he was extraordinarily even in his approach to leadership. When he was running for president, his first choice to be his vice president was Joe Lieberman. Kind of an obscure hmm. figure, Democrat. So two completely opposite parties. And you think about what that would have meant to the country and, and how we balance could be achieved in that and how he saw that as important. Uh, I just really admired him for that, that approach to the political, um, uh, the political process. And yeah, that would be unheard of today, probably, yep. unfortunately, but. Oh, Oprah Winfrey's another one uh, yeah. that she, she got refused for a job here in our local network um, as an anchor. And I mean, that could have devastated anybody. And instead, she just kind of took that initial devastation and, and rejection and turned it into just this brilliant career. And everybody says, you get a car, you get a car, but just the generous spirit that she has when she approaches people. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her husband are two people that I really admired. Um, she did some fantastic things in her career. So did he, but learning the biographical story of them as a couple and how he thrived in um, as a as a father as a husband and as a uh, as a parent in that family um, ensuring his wife was successful and how that support was atypical at the time but he just embraced it and um, loved his family loved his wife and took care of the family while she became an extraordinarily successful attorney and judge. There's so many different stories in, in, in life. So I have a lot that I admire. Right. How about music? Uh, do you like music? What's your genre? Or? Yeah, I'm a nerd of all types. Mm -hmm. So people don't necessarily know this, but the intro music for the podcast here, I kind of composed it myself and made it in, in the, in the software for this. It was fun. I kind of nerded out and, and geeked out in the music, but I grew up singing. My first college I attended, I got a scholarship for choir. Uh, I also played in the band. So I was a tuba player and a euphony, euphonium player. My brother is a musician. Um, so yeah, music is kind of in my family. My mom, uh, my dad, everybody was kind of a musician growing up. So I got an appreciation for music of all kinds and hearing the harmonies, the balance, appreciating the lyrics. I can, I really enjoy all kinds of music. I'll go from a Metallica concert right to Earth, Wind and & Fire and love every single minute of all of that. Is there a concert that stands out to you as one of your favorites? Oh, uh, yeah. I, so Metallica was the once-in-a-lifetime gotta go. And so when they came to the new U.S. Bank Stadium, um, that was one of those things that my youngest biological son and I had to do. So uh, we went to the Metallica concert. Even though it was his first week at college in Bemidji, 
still took him back down here and uh, went to the Metallica concert. And then he learned what Greyhound bus riding is like because I sent him back up on a bus. But that was an awesome concert, uh, not just because it was a band I'd been listening to since my high school days, but just because it was so big and huge. Um, and an experience with your son. Yeah, time. for sure. Barry Manilow put on a great concert. I, I am not going to lie. He was at the XL Energy Center, and that's my go-to karaoke song. I'll sing Manilow. Um, but that was an awesome concert just because he's been doing it for years, and he's so rich in his approach to music. He's written jingles for McDonald's, and then he's got these great sing-along classics. That was awesome. Earth, Wind & Fire put on a great concert, even though when I went it was only three of the remaining. Now they have their kids playing in the band, so it was, it was just cool. Music of all kinds. And then my wife and I will go to Orchestra Hall and see the Minnesota Orchestra, and that's also really, really awesome. It says you were in the choir, or yep. you had a choir scholarship? Can yep. you, uh I have a good low bass voice, and I haven't been exercising my singing talents, but yeah, my first college I went, I, I sang in the choir. and you know, I can still hit lower notes than my son, who's also a bass, so well, my youngest um, biological sings in the choir. Um, yeah, so we, we sing, and every so often we'll get together, and uh, the my high school has this tradition where any alumni from the choir can go up and sing the song together. Um, when Lisa and my youngest Tyler was in his last year of high school, um, we got a chance to go up on stage and, and sing with him, and that was really, really great. Uh, so it was Tyler, my youngest biological Jorgen, and I standing next to each other. And one point you hit this low bass note that only I could hit between them. And that was always fun because, yeah, okay, buddy, you got it. That's kind of their attitude. But, yeah, I grew up singing in a choir and, and playing in the band. And, uh, like I said, it kind of shaped how I listened to music. I'm still kind of a nerd about it. What Barry Manilow song? Mandy. Any day of the week <laughs> and twice on Sunday, weekend in New England, you name it. All <laughs> Copacabana. I got all the words, and my kids learned them, too, growing up. So, you name it. Um, is there something about yourself that you're most proud of? Oh, shooey. I'm leaving this job, uh, and I have, I got some good advice from one of the other chiefs out here. He said, you should start writing down the things you're really proud of. I'm really proud of how the group of our senior enlisted out here have come together um, and just become more collegial. They rely on one another. Uh, they're more f um, communicative with one another. I'm really proud of that, but the question is, are, is there something about myself that I'm really proud of? I'm proud of my family. Uh, my wife and I, my wife Lisa and I blended our family together and literally married my best friend's mom, and friends is plural and possessive in our family. So my middle and her oldest were best friends growing up. My youngest and her middle were also best friends growing up. So when we told them we were dating, it wasn't uh, the happiest day for them. Um, but eventually we just we formed this really, really good, close-knit group of, of family members that they plan stuff and do stuff on their own without even letting us know. They're, they're, uh, I'm really proud of my family and how they are 
loving and caring with one another. Now the grandkids are coming along and I, it's just great to see how they are with one another. So um, really, really proud of my family um, and how they are. That's great. Um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit here. Yeah. What brought you to the, the decision to join the military? I needed, um, I left my first college, like I said, before being invited and thought going into construction would be an awesome thing to do. And I was roofing turkey barns in Northfield up on a hill in February. Oh, it was awful. awful. And the wind was blowing and the guy that I was working for was crabby. And uh, it was just bad working conditions. And I thought there's got to be something better. And my dad encouraged me to take a look at it, even though nobody in my family, immediate family, had any military experience. Uh, I got a gentle nudge from him because he knew I needed to, I needed to move and move forward in life. And if college wasn't it, um, then look at the military. There's great opportunity in it. And so I wandered into an Air Force recruiter in a mall that isn't a mall anymore in Burnsville and learned a little bit. I knew I didn't want to join the Army. I knew I didn't want to join the Marines. Um, not that I wasn't strong, but I wasn't tough enough, at least I thought. Maybe I just determined that I was soft enough to join the Air Force. <laughs> There's some hard jobs in the Air Force, but um, yeah, I knew I wanted to work my, my intellect a little bit more than my body. Um, and so saw an Air Force recruiter in, in uh, 90, and they got me off to the uh, take my test and do all my physicals, and they accepted me in an open general, and I got out of town. Ran away from home, joined the military, ran, out, ran away from home to, to grow up. Worked out for you. It did, yeah. It was a great learning opportunity, but also it, it forced me to grow up. Speaking of growing up, how do you challenge yourself to take chances and risks today? Well, that's a good question today. So transitioning out of the military is a trip. Uh, everybody says start early, and I'm sitting here in my last week in this office uh, and going, yeah, I kind of wish I would have started early. But uh, going into the civilian sector, knowing that, I'm going to enjoy farming when I'm retired. I'm going to enjoy spending time with my grandkids, but I'm also going to exercise my intellect and my my passions and continue to do that and find a way applying for jobs and getting yourself out there with a resume. Um, that's a challenge. It's tough to do. Um, I'm filing an LLC for, for a leadership consulting business, and that's putting yourself out there as the, an expert in something or at least having some experience that you can teach others with. Uh, and that's, that is also a challenge because in the military, it's structured. We know what's expected of us almost every single day. And while we can pour our emotion and our personality into the job, at the end of the day, there's still that structure and there's a little less of that uh, entrepreneurial risk-taking. So this is a, it's a great stretch. Um, it's a big stretch, and it's a great stretch. All right. I am uh, going to give you one last chance to 
tell the 133rd goodbye. <laughs> give them some advice and give them uh, your farewell. Well, knowing that our, our next podcast is going to be me interviewing mm-hmm. you as the new command chief, uh, I appreciate you giving me the time now. Um, I have thoroughly loved this job. Um, the situations have been tough. You're not, I haven't been the best friend of everybody out here. It, it, but when, when you're in this role and that happens, it usually shows up on Facebook. <laughs> it's a little bit more public. Um, but even then, being able to lead and being purposeful about the fact that you love the human beings that you work with, all 1,200 that are out here, and those 1,200 have people at home that love them. And so being able to extend the love of the family of this place to all of them and have them go home after a drill weekend or after a day of work out here, feeling that they're cared about and loved at every level, not necessarily liked, but loved, and bring that home, hopefully makes an impact on their family too. Uh, So I guess my parting shot, parting message is, um, it has been a privilege to be able to love the people out here and love the mission out here the way that I have for as long as I have and still maintain my sense of uh, a balance and self, or at least try to maintain the balance and, and uh, continue being myself in this job. It's been uh, a joyful ride of, of difficult and a joyful ride of, um, it's just been a, a absolutely a great privilege to be in this job. Well, we can tell how much you care and we really appreciate everything you've done those last three plus years. Um, typically, you end your podcast with some quick questions, so we're going to lighten it up a little bit. That I'm going to fire away some quick questions at you. Love it. Before we let you go. All right. All right. I'll do what, my best. What's a superpower you wish you had? I mind reading. Interesting. A movie that made you cry. Forrest Gump, every day of the week, twice on Sunday, and a shout-out to the adjutant general who also shares that with me. An extreme sport you'd most want to try. Um, Motorcycle jumping. Wow. What's a car you'd most like to own? Uh, Corvette. Favorite fast food chain? Culver's. Most influential living person? Oprah Winfrey. And last but not least, what's the top thing on your bucket list? Travel to Spain, which my wife and I are doing next summer. It's my retirement trip. Fantastic. Yeah. And then we're going to get a new bucket. That's right. You deserve it. (laughs) All right. Thank you for your time. Um, I can't wait to continue on with the tradition. Mine's going to be a little different than yours, but uh, more to follow with that. And uh, I look forward to reversing roles once I take the position and uh, let you uh, interview me. Can't wait. And uh, thanks for interviewing me. And uh, again, Thanks to Amy Lovegren for her excellent work doing the post-production and releasing of these podcasts. And tune in next time on Beneath the Wing where 
my last guest will be the new command chief of the 133rd Airlift Wing. Tune in then.